everyone, Eric Watson here, freelance writer, player of games, writer of order, recorder videos, and tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the Thursday edition by Bye Week of Behind the Scenes DM only live stream, Crafting the Deep, in which I build and prepare for our next session of Call from the Deep. If you are playing characters at Gotwald, Max Sabra, or Toral, this video is not meant for you, and there will be lots of spoilers, but for the rest of you, welcome. We stream our D&D sessions live on YouTube every Friday. You can join our official Discord server with invite link into the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash Rogue Watson. For our campaign, we use Roll20.net, and for streaming, I use OBS Studio. Sorry, I'm distracted by, uh, apparently we have a, what is going on here? Uh, this is some kind of, oh, I guess it's an update from Roll20. Sorry, I haven't been on Roll20, I guess, in a day. Uh, revamped Compendium joins the fray. <laughs> the latest addition to our new UI redesign is here, the new Compendium component. We'll have you referencing rules like a pro. Uh, okay. Don't see anything different on the compendium. Is this something I have to opt into, or is this already here? Just use any game with compendium support enabled. New filters interface. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not seeing that on my end. I'm looking at in my. Let's see. Uh, let's search for zombie. Okay, yeah, I'm not seeing that updated yet. Maybe it's still coming. <laughs> no, it says it's here. I don't know, maybe I need to update. Anyway, um, that's not part of what we're talking about, but apparently we're getting an updated, uh, which is about damn time, because the companion has been kind of a not great. It's, it is fairly unwieldy, but uh, hopefully we will be getting an update on the compendium then, and we'll see it on my end. <laughs> I'm learning right with all of you about the changes being made. By the way, huge, huge, huge shout out to Stan in the Discord chat for uh, showing and pointing to the uh, Ghosts of Saltmarsh Discord, which I have been looking at for uh, maps mainly, uh, which also has its own sub-channels for Call from the Deep, and somebody there made a version of the map from Call from the Deep with all the things I wanted, all of the, like, areas that should be hidden are hidden. So now look at this. You've got, um, you know, like Wreck of the Golden Crown is gone. Ruins of Scarl is gone. You know, you have all the major sites which should be on a map. You don't have any of the, like, dungeon stuff that wouldn't make sense to be on a map. So somebody took the liberty of uh, removing all those, and not only that, but taking them and putting them uh, as separate... I guess I could use them as tokens that I can then add back into the map. So I used a um, a, a custom hex job also because there was a blank version of the map that I could use. Because the old map, if you look at the... And I'm talking about the Overland map also. Um, this is the original one. Uh, so it's... It's a little more zoomed out, and you can see it's got really tiny hexes. And one thing I like doing with our maps is putting a little icon on there to actually show where the players are. So the icon would be pretty small in these maps. But also I'm trying to to determine, like, how... And I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. We're, we're going to talk about the seagulls, too. Um, oh, Hammer Toes, I'm so sorry. That was you? Oh, I'm sorry. It's, I, I thought it was Stan for some reason. Uh, shout out to Hammer Toes, then. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I had Stan on the brain. I've always got Stan on my mind. Um... But that was an amazing find. Um, but one thing I wanted to change was the hex sizes. I got a cough. Hang on. Uh, we just had, by the way, a huge thunderstorm last night, and like my wife and I have like allergies coming out of our butts now. It's it's been horrendous. Like fall has 
come in with a vengeance, which I'm actually stoked about because it's been 100 degrees for like three months straight. Um, but unfortunately, we're like snorty and coughing and stuff. Um, and I was trying to figure out how far a ship could move in a day, like the average ship um, for lengthy travel. It's obviously something that's going to come up. I think the consensus was 120 miles in a day. So having all these tiny hexes that are only, I don't know how many, is this one actually to scale? I'm not sure this one's to scale. Yeah, one cell equals 24 miles. So you'd be covering like several hexes in a day. So to me, and normally you do encounters by the day, right? Um, unless you're really doing like a hex, you know, two annihilation hex crawl, in which case maybe you can have multiples in a day. But I didn't see any reason, in other words, to have really tiny hexes here and separate it that far. So one of the changes that I was going to change, um, this is the new one, I think, was to just use bigger hexes that are more miles. And that way it looks, that to me, it just looks a little bit nicer. And you can see there's this custom token that Demnix made us, which is amazing. Um, I can blow it up a little bit so you can see it's got all the crew uh, in like the spokes of the wheel, which looks fucking so cool um so now this can be larger which is nice uh it does stick to the hexes which is kind of cool but now i think each of these hexes is about yeah i've made it i tried to measure it and you, and you can custom go into the roll 20 distance and actually change how the, the size of the individual cells so what I did is I changed those cells until I got to be about the right distance between, um, I think I was using the distance between Neverwinter and Gunbarg, uh, which was, what was that distance? Is it 340 miles, something like that? I think I had that on my brain. So let's do no snapping. Yeah, and this equals right at, this is about 350 maybe, which is pretty close. So it, everything should be to scale. If you look at an official map, I think I've got everything to scale with this size hex, um, which is set to 88 pixels. And you can see that it automatically changes the cell width to one point whatever as I change the size of this. Um, H style hexes, which just determines the flat parts on top rather than the point. And then each cell distance is 60 miles. I think I've got that set up correctly to where the player's should be able to travel two hexes in a day, right? If it's 120. There's selling rules in one of the Ghosts of Saltmark, Saltmarsh appendices. You know, unfortunately, I don't get those in my version because I'm using Call from the Deep technically, but I do have the literal book in front of me. Um, I should look at that. Do they have it per day? Let's see. And I mean, we can still talk about the Sea Ghost also, though I, I think I covered a lot of stuff on Monday. Um... Appendices has those, let's see, those random encounter maps, mysterious islands, extra crew encounters at sea, which Call from the Deep, I think, has all the encounters I would need. There's actually some good stuff in here, though. I do, I do need to reread this appendix section. There's a ton of, like, just useful environmental world-building shit in here, kelp forests and Bracken's grave, different hazards, crew conflicts, fires, fog. Okay, travel at sea. 
travel pace. Ship ships travel at a speed given in their stat blocks. Unlike with land travel, ships can't choose to move at a faster pace, or they can choose to go slower. If a ship's mode of movement takes damage, it might be slowed. For every decrease of ten feet in speed, I don't need. I don't care about that. Um, what does that say? Just travel. Ships in combat. That's useful. Crashing a ship. Activity while traveling. Has reduced their speed by 24 miles per day. What is the total speed though? I think I'm missing something here. Ship upgrades, which does sound fun. I think that I think I need to explore some of this now that I'm looking at it. I need to explore this whole appendix. Crew members, hull upgrades, weapon upgrades. Yeah, there's some cool shit in here. Arcane artillery, concussive rounds. Good use of uh, kind of a money sink too. Okay, here we go. So it has the stat block. It's actually in the stat block for a sailing ship is 120 miles per day or 5 miles per hour. And I think that's about what we're going to get with the with the sea ghost here because the picture, I don't, know if, I don't think stuff shows up too well with my way my light works uh, for the book, but the picture looks very, yeah, it really doesn't. It's too bright. Um, looks very similar to what the Sea Ghost looks like in terms of having the different deck levels and stuff. Yeah, because Warship is larger. Yeah, so 120 miles per day. I think I think we're just going to call this a sailing ship for sanity's sake. So that means they can move two hexes in a day. So it would go one two for one day one two for day two and one two boom three days for never to gunderland i think that sounds right and that should be perfect because i think we've got three encounters set up which are all from call from the d or no sorry two of them are called from the one of them one of the encounters is literally going to be salvage operation and i need to start thinking about uh getting ahead of things because if all goes according to plan i know sorry it's a very white page. If I turned off my camera, we might be able to see it, but then I'm not sure I could get my webcam to settle back down again because it would freak out for a second. I also, um, we lost power during the thunderstorm just just briefly. It was just a little like um, like flash, but of course it was enough to shut down my whole computer and um, like for some reason, the one thing that got fucked up was my webcam settings all got like, not even, like the default is like, let's go white balance all the way to pure blue and then crank up the, yeah, none of that makes sense. Like, what are you doing? So I think I'm going to use this map. Last time we talked about using this um, official Sword Coast map, which is still a nice map. But this this version, which is the Call from the Deep map that has all of the things removed that I can add in myself, is basically exactly what I'm looking for. So huge thumbs up for this map find, and I will absolutely be using it. Um, and then moving things on there as I need to. Assuming I can use either the hexless tiles or maybe transparent tiles. I haven't set any of that up yet, but I will need to set that up as like tokens and then put them on the GM layer uh, for all the different locations that the players find. But uh, I think this will work beautifully and I think and I think I'm also happier with having the bigger hexes and having the bigger token because I don't see any reason to just have them crawl along this feels less, less hex crawly to me with the other one it felt like like oh my goodness we're gonna have to really travel and it just felt like things would slow down with these big hexes then it feels like you're really making progress you know with the big ass token whenever you're 
sailing around. It makes the giant world feel a little bit smaller, which I think is going to be more appropriate here because this map is large enough. Um, so we can have one last conversation about the sea ghost, um, or we can start talking about future stuff, which are the encounters I've got lined up, but I think I've got everything nailed down for, uh, the sea ghost stuff. We're going to have a big battle here on top. Um, we've got the Sawagin here as round probably three, if we're being honest, unless things really go south. Um, I, I plan on staggering these different battles. I, I, presume that the sea ghost is going to be one big battle and i think that's going to be the most climactic thing to have happen now hopefully we can have a little give and take and maybe even the players can get a short rest in between the battles i mentioned short rest only take five minutes so as long as we're like out of battle and the players like barricade themselves in a door then they could possibly get a short rest off um and i'll hopefully be able to and notice how i used actual like door token art to really paint the fact that there are doors here that they can duck inside, but I didn't use the actual doors on the lighting because the lighting still needs to work for up here. So it's just, it's just a limitation of trying to play a very three-dimensional battlefield in a 2D top-down map, but I'm doing my best here and hopefully the players can understand kind of what I'm going for. But I, I do want to encourage them and, and have the option to be, hey, if, if this is too crazy up here, you guys can try to duck inside one of these doors. Now they don't know which Doors lead to what? Some of them have stairs that go down to lower levels. Others immediately go into some cabins that are safe. A lot of these cabins have various chests and treasures inside. The most important one being the actual captain's cabin, which is uh, actually one of the first doors that they might uh, go into. And that one, the important piece of information, because again, I'm changing all the stories to match call from the deep stuff, is that this crew... Um, works for the Black Armada, works for Sea uh, King Tentrix, and um, they're not part of the crew that's going to be actually assaulting the uh, Neverwinter city. Uh, in fact, I can even flavor it that they're attacking multiple, you know, like the Neverwinter is only even one of the attacks. You can really make it even a bigger, wider world thing. It'd be like, oh shit, all these cities are under attack. That might be a nice thing to kind of mention at some point. Uh, but uh, these guys' job is just uh, as suppliers, right? Because they're they specialize in... Uh, smuggling and that end of piracy so they will be trying to get all these weapons and supplies for uh, the army which is being supplied in bronzo mine on gunderland so they will very importantly get a map and then that map in fact i wonder if i have i can use that map yeah but i could use this map right here the one i've got as part of the uh uh, uh splash page and actually do that as a handout. That'd be kind of fun, wouldn't it? This is how I do my stuff, by the way. I'm very sophisticated. <laughs> I think I squeezed that a little too much. There we go. Maybe it goes that way. So I could give them like this and then just draw like a red uh, circle around Gunderland. Because I think that was in my notes. Basically just so that they have a proper way of getting there. Now, obviously, if they you know, want to capture... Uh, you know, the captain and keep him alive or whatever, then maybe he can have some answers, but not all of them. And something that happens in Call from the Deep, um, I don't know if I could if I could pull up a certain uh, event where that takes place, but there are, uh, maybe it's Sea King Tentrix, actually. When the players are trying to interrogate villains, um, Slarkrathel, who is taken over by the Elder Brain, can actually reach in and, like, destroy them psychically and, like, melt their brains 
which is such a classic, like, it's a trope, but it's one that I like, right? Um, where, like, the players are trying to get information out of somebody, either a good guy or a bad guy, and that person suddenly, like, expires or is murdered um, at, like, the most dramatic moment. And they're like, oh, we would have gotten a little bit more information if not for this. Uh, and I definitely want to try to pull that off with... Uh, the, you know, it doesn't make sense necessarily because you should be probably uh, either worshipping Slarkrothel or tied to him in some way for him to have that control, but maybe there's something to do with the Elder Brain and being able to, like, infuse everybody in the network or something um, who has control. And maybe he's got something, like, I don't know, organically grafted on him. Maybe that's part of being in the in the Black Armada crew as everybody has to have. The, in fact, maybe it's just a mark. Maybe it's, like, a, a tattoo or something. Uh, that they have to have uh, somewhere on their body to show they're part of the Black Armada. I think it's the Tentrix one where they take them out that way, but I think that'd be a, a kind of a cool thing to revisit. I know the Seaghost isn't really a combat ship, but is there ship-to-ship -ship combat later on? So... I, I would like there to be, uh, Jason, that's a good question. Um... The best opportunity for that would be at the climax of Act 1 when they're sailing into Neverwinter to go try to save it from the attack. I think there will be opportunity for ship combat. So the best thing to do would be if they realize... Hopefully they can come up with some... And I can come up with some upgrades and things they can do with their sailing ship. Um, you know, maybe for monetary and, and maybe that's a, a good way to motivate players to get, you know, spend money and... Uh, do some quests and stuff, but maybe there's a way they can stop in Gunbark to like upgrade their ship. Uh, I think Call from the Deep even talks about that. I'd have to revisit um, the Gunbark section if they have a chance to actually upgrade the ship, or maybe it's just in a separate like ship upgrade part. Let's see, Gunbark Harbor. They can hire crew, purchase a keelboat or a rowboat. Which could be good. They might need to hire some uh, crew members, some hirelings. Potions of water breathing they can get if they perform a small side task. Gimlet's ship repairs. Uh, not necessarily upgrades. I think there's a section in Call from the Deep somewhere that talks about um, all that kind of extra stuff with ships. Just haven't quite unearthed it yet. Gives us special magic cannonballs. Wow, that's cool. Groups in the middle of salvage operation right now. Well, that's good. You'll be able to talk to me about it because uh, we'll be running salvage operation pretty soon. And I'm worried I may have to change some of it because I don't know how much of... I might not have to change it. We'll just have to look at it again. Um, basically, what I'm changing is that the salvage operation ship has left Gunbarg to go to Neverwinter to to specifically um, tell them that there's a crashed, like, creepy alien ship and there's some weird shit going on the island and they're requiring help as a member of the Lord's Alliance. But that ship never made it and is being attacked by an Elder Octopus who is, of course, agents of the uh, villains. But then there's this whole storyline in Savage Operation where, like, the ship initially was, like, uh, stopped at, like, an island and picked up, like, this evil... Uh, Druid or something. I'd have to go back and, and check on it. I'm, I don't know how much of that uh, would necessarily fit into what we're doing. Alright, so maybe if we just do like... 
that. It's a very clean circle. I didn't mean to make it that clean. <laughs> uh, I could also put an X on it. Would it makes it makes sense to circle, wouldn't it? Rather than do an X. X is such a classic pirate thing, but if I did an X, I'd probably do a more. Yeah, I think actually circle looks better. Let's do circle. All right, so we're just gonna do that, and then we'll make it a little print screen copy paste job. Very sophisticated, as I mentioned, but handouts are fun. If, if you have time to make them, handouts are fun. Ghosts, uh, Gunderland Circle, Flip type under handouts, save it as JPEG, and then we will add it as a, is there, I think there's a generic player handout. Yeah, there it is. Already several handouts being used in here. And choose file. Choose that one. And there you go. There's our map. We can even call it Mysterious Map. There you go. All right. So that's the map that they find. And they will find some, some context with it, some notes. Uh, let's see. This is number nine. In fact, I could go ahead and make that as well. Just replace this one. I'm always torn between using like really cool handwritten fonts, but also font the players can properly read. <laughs> 18 seems to be the right size, like this one. Uh, although this one's pretty good, this caution script. Let's see how that one looks. Yeah, that looks, that looks readable, I think. I don't know if I copy and paste if that's going to end up looking like I want. Unfortunately, yeah, we're going to have to put some manual breaks in here, unfortunately. Captain Sigur. All right. Let's do a break there. Your smuggling skills have served us well. There's something big brewing, and it's all hands on deck. This would presumably be written by Tentrix, or maybe an underling of his. We need you to secure weapons, as many as your ship will hold. Use whatever trustworthy contacts you have, but silence them afterward. Bring the supplies to the old mine in Gunderland. Move quickly, we will not wait, is the piece of correspondence they will have. I guess I could have made that bigger font. That's fine. You can just cut off the bottom of it. Um, and then sign... Oh, I don't have quotes on the back. People wouldn't quote themselves. <laughs> That's in my notes. Maybe some paragraph breaks. Oh yeah, if I do paragraph breaks, I'm gonna fuck up all my spacing. Fantastic. All these are trying to get something supplies. There we go. Old mine in Gunderland. Well, not quite. There we go. That looks better. So I'm teasing something. I'm not gonna tell them what's happening. I am giving the location of the old mine in Gunderland, but I'm not gonna give them. I'm going to tell them of this location, but I will not tell them where exactly this mine is. Instead, um, they just have this location. And, and that's probably overkill, because once I show them the actual uh, overland map, they'll be able to see Gunderland pretty easily. Wait. And then signed by... Let's see. I think there is handouts. I wonder how they sign them here. Do they do handouts in a separate section? Player art handouts, maybe? ship that can sail on land? That's cool. 
Um, there may be a chance for them to acquire a flying ship at some point. Uh, I thought this one had handouts. Um, hmm. But I don't know where they are. They're not under player handouts. So I'm not sure where they ended up. Salt Marsh. Yeah, I think All from the Deep has some handouts in there, but I'm not sure where they are in here. It may be like that other thing I couldn't find and with the pirate cruise, and it just didn't quite make it into World 20 for some reason. Uh, well, I'll have to look that up later, but uh, maybe sign it some kind of cool way. I, I can't be too confusing. Have it be like the tentacle, because that would be maybe just the stamp of the Black Armada. Pretty sure that's in the PDF somewhere. I'll just have to look that up and figure out how they sign their work. Maybe I can even copy and paste it and put it on there. But basically, they will find additional handouts, which will then lead them to Gunderland. Now, if they want to stop in, you know, Salt Marsh, I mean, obviously, you want a long rest or something. Uh, but, like, tell anybody, the authorities there, whatever they can. Um, maybe they, I can have them paid more from their mysterious benefactor. If they want to wait and send a message to their benefactor and wait, the benefactor can say, you know, follow the clues or trail or something and just keep on basically teasing it because I'm not ready to reveal that information yet. But this is, they'll get the idea. This is, like, where the next quest chain is going to be. Also, we will have a prisoner still in the Sea Ghost which will be a big one. Um, I'm probably going to reflavor them to be a Triton. I know some folks, Refus, uh, mentioned the fact that Sea Elves and Swagin go together really well. However, in my campaign, my universe, we've never really used Sea Elves at all. Uh, but we have used Tritons before, so I may just effectively replace Sea Elves with Tritons and just make the, the Tritons like the one like seafaring uh, race that's not evil, I guess, or monstrous, um, versus trying to create all these multiple different cultures and histories and things. So I think that would might just keep things easier. So in other words, maybe it's the Tritons that are uh, age-old enemies with the Sawagan. I could also replace this NPC with a lizard folk. Um, that would have bigger meaning to Savra. And may tie into weirdly using more content from Sinister Secret of Salt Marsh with the fact that these Swagan are displacing the lizard folk. So maybe there's a lizard folk that like crept on this crew and is trying to specifically spy on the Sawagan. Oh, that's an idea. What do we think about that? So my initial thought was to keep the the prisoner angle, but replace the sea elf with just a Triton, but otherwise kind of keep it the same, but just say that they were spying on this crew because, I don't know, they're worried about events that are going on in the sea and uh, things happening around Gunderland especially. And again, this NPC wouldn't know the full context of what's going on either. But now if I replace them with a lizard folk, then, it would, then they would know even less, uh, but they would specifically know that these Sawagan... They, they, may, they might have more context for the Sawagan for the players. I'd be like, yeah, the Sawagan, um, you know, recently took over one of our layers, and they seem to be allying with this, you know, network of pirates, and um, we're trying to figure out what's going on. And that might give the players an interesting clue that, hey, maybe the lizard folk could also be, or at least whatever this particular, you don't want to group every lizard folk together as one entity, but this particular tribe of lizard folk 
Did they ever actually say what that tribe is, or do they just say the lizard folk in uh, the Saltmarsh stories? I'm not actually sure. I guess it'd be under Sea Ghost, wouldn't it? Because normally it's the lizard folk from uh, room number seven. Yeah, so that is an idea. We'll have plenty of opportunity to, to use Triton NPCs, I think. But maybe the lizard folk one might have might be a better idea for this early in the game. I'm trying to think. Does anybody who Oh, thank you, Hammertoes. Black Claw Tribe. Yeah, that could be a good one. And also, Heather has expressed um just comments to me about her trying to still figure out her character and her character's context and backstory and all that. So having um an NPC that she could specifically uh you know easily talk to and get information from now whether or not that npc actually even knows her or is even from the same tribe as her is something that uh i can still either talk to her about before the session or during the session and be like hey is this you know is do you know this person or not it's you know to you or something bye michael this book gives you a tie to your lizard wizard yeah exactly could keep the triton angling to make him an emissary to the lizard folk and has the information that's also true yeah yeah it all ties together Unfortunately, I have to figure this out before uh, Friday because I am, again, presuming we will probably get through the full Seagull. I would like, I think it'd be great timing. Um, and it may be where if things are running long and the battle is going a while, then I may have to, um, you know, montage things. Um, Maybe as long as we get through the battle, then we can level everybody. Mainly, it's because the level up, right? Because we want to we want to finish Seagos, put a put a bow on this whole adventure, level the party up to third level, and then we're leaving and getting the Overland map. So it'd be nice to have all that done and then be prepared with the next session with the level up. Um, but it may be a case where this one, because this one got a lot of um, a lot of combat and things to do here that we may barely get done with some of it and then i'll still tell everybody to level up but then we'll kind of do all the the cleanup here you know talking to people uh looting stuff uh returning to salt marsh and then actually setting off and maybe doing like you know one encounter or something for the next session but it just depends on the timing works out this character will not like this lizard folk instant death <laughs> that could also happen yeah and, and you know just because you put a lizard folk in there doesn't necessarily mean the lizard folk will know them. I mean, that's technically racist. <laughs> um, it's not like the, you know, if there's a human in there, the one human in the party is like, hey, I know you. Um, now, granted, they're a little more rare and there's fewer of them out in the world. But um, if anything, they're probably the most common. Lizard folk are the most common of the four uh, zoo crew we have. So, uh, but they, they would at least have, you know, that cultural context to share for sure if they're not even part of the same uh tribe and that would give let her be able to play a uh, good cop a little bit easier i've also contemplated with having the reinforcements actually just be more bandits at first so that it may be a more evenly paced ramp up of difficulty with this fight um they will not be level two, but we're all. But you know what? We'll always have. Uh, we'll always have our soundbite. Really, to remind the DM that we are level two. We'll always have that. <laughs> I had to pull the soundbite for a second. Um, 
So what do we think about, so again, round one, all the combat up here on the main deck. Probably continues into round two, but maybe I roll secret GM level initiative. In fact, let me put everybody on the GM level to start to do that. And that way I can roll for them and then decide to stagger them as I want. Um, and because the bandits aren't that strong, right? They come in, like they're useful reinforcements to have for when bandits go down up here invariably. But um, it's not like a huge shocker. And then maybe, and you could even do like round two, two more of them you know, rush up from, you know, this door. And then round three, you know, two of them plus the bosun appear here around for whatever it is for the rounds. It's, it's again, this is gonna be the hardest thing for me to try to figure out is the balance of this giant combat. But I'm thinking maybe the Sawagan don't actually appear until maybe much later because they would represent a much scarier and exotic threat for the players to deal with. Suddenly these freaking shark people come out of the woodworks and begin attacking along with the pirates and they're and everybody's like whoa what's going on and and something that even gottwald would know and i would mention that is like hey even with all the different crazy you know exotic folks that you worked with on your other pirate crews and your experiences like like sawagan were not part of that like they were they were their own thing they were near feral like monstrous creatures that just ate like people like it's not like they would not be working with a pilot. So this would be a very crazy situation that Sawagan be working with them. But I'm thinking that might be more interesting to have the Sawagan appear uh, a little bit later. So I and I could even move them around on the ship if I wanted to. Like again, originally Lizard Poker just chilling up here, but there's no reason for the Sawagan to be chilling up here. Maybe the Sawagan like it down in the water or something in this hold area. In fact, what does it say down there? It's supposed to be rock grub. I haven't even fucked around with that area because I assume we're not gonna use it at all. The bilge, sorry, it's called the bilge. The hatchwing you see little lies below. The area stretches the full width of the ship, and you can see the full length for no bulkheads are in view. Uh, and Swagon are just straight up amphibious, I think. They can breathe water and air. Garbage thrown in from the crew. Swarms of rot grubs. Okay. Um, so yeah, I could have the Swagon be even further away so that they don't... Uh, get called until maybe a bit a bit later now stat wise players don't know this but they're not very powerful the the main thing that makes them dangerous is they have um more hp than a standard bandit for sure as it's a cr one half stat block what does that put them at like where the scouts were maybe because bandits are one eighth uh i think our deck wizard friend might be a one straight up yeah so they're not as strong as the Nate. In fact, maybe they're close to this guy. Pirate first mate. Uh, he's also technically a CR1. Two attacks with the longsword. I They're a little less powerful than the first mate. But there's three of them. Totally enjoying your guys' BG3 videos, by the way. Total chaos. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that one fight we did was super fucking hard, too. But yeah, I'm having a blast with that, for sure. It's, it's just the most... D&D-like video game I've played since I played Divinity Original Sin 2, honestly. And we never played that game uh, multiplayer. We never got around to doing that. I played the first game all the way through with my wife, co-op, and then we played uh, maybe a fourth of the second one uh, after I'd played both of them solo. And then I think like we got distracted playing something else. I think it was like Borderlands 3 or something. I never went back to it, but Baldur's Gate, we're like, we're for sure playing this one. And yeah, it's been an absolute blast playing that game. 
four halfling barbarians went BG3 chaos. <laughs> I mean, I imagine it lends itself to such good let's play videos because so many playthroughs are going to be so different in how the players react, the choices they make, the consequences, the failures, like just, and that's what makes D&D &D so much fun. I think they just nailed it. E even though they changed a lot of the actual rules, some of which I like and some of which I'm like, oh, okay. But it's the feeling, like the gameplay, like the the things you talk about afterwards, they nailed that part of D&D. So uh, hats off to Larian Studios, still one of my favorite. And honestly, they've been an amazing studio for years and years and years. I've actually played their older Divinity games um, back when they were making like Xbox 360, you know, action RPGs. Um, and I've really enjoyed following their development, their gameplay style, like everything just absolutely amazing. So what do we think about staggering it a little bit differently? My initial thought was to include the Sawagan during the first round of reinforcements and then the bandits and the Bozen, who's actually pretty strong also, maybe a bit later. Or we leave some of these to not be included in this first round of combat and say that, well, these guys are so far down, maybe they're not included yet. But I think realistically and pacing-wise... It does make sense for this to be one big combat, but I will say if the players manage to barricade themselves in a door and things are going pretty south for them, I would very much work with them to try and get at least a short rest because, again, in our campaign, we changed it where you can get a short rest with, like, five minutes of downtime. Like, as long as you're just basically not in immediate danger, you can short rest, which I think will help them, but you still have to be able to like, get out of immediate danger somehow. So you'd have to close the door, barricade it or something. And that would also give the, the enemy a chance to kind of reposition slightly as well. But I wouldn't work with them for that because this this is a lot of enemies to handle at level 2, even if I'm staggering them. But I think the Sawagin, maybe we need to... And I could reduce the numbers also. That's another big thing I can do. I can make it so there's only one or two Sawagin that appear. Same thing with these extra bandits. Maybe fewer of them can appear. Um... You know, the bosun with his giant hook and stuff. Whatever his name is, I forget the names, but I'll have to make sure I get the names right. But there's a there's a lot of opportunity for me as the DM to balance and scale this fight in real time. And I'm just going to not know what all I need to do until we're in the middle of this fight and determine, like, you know, where the initiative order sets out, who's going to determine what to do, you know, what kind of spells is the deck wizard using. I mean, he's got Gust of Wind, which I've got lined up right here that I could unleash to knock people off the boat if I wanted to, or what I'm probably going to do is really make it so they can't get up the stairs, although I'm sure somebody's going to try to just jump and climb the stairs, but that would just be you know, maybe a relatively, I don't know, simple athletics check, I think. I feel like that's something like you would see, you know, heroes. I mean, I'm picturing like, you know, I'm playing like Horizon right now or, or like Assassin's Creed games where you can always, um, what do they call it? Um, there's a word for... They just added this in Starfield, where you walk up to a wall and you, like, vault yourself over it. I can't think of the word for that, but there's that's a thing you can do in a lot of games. <laughs> Go, You know, jump and grab onto something. And, and in those games, there's never a chance of, like, failure for that. Uh, but, I don't know, I feel like D&D &D there should be. So you could always set the DC pretty low. Um, 10 is usually the lowest you get without making something a gimme. Could have an interesting twist. Have the Swagin be a third hostile to all party that trope like in Resident Evil Big Bads come out. Snaps underling next coming in. 
Um, well, that's going to be the big twist here, actually, is that they're not hostile to everybody. Uh, and the players will have a chance to fight, you know, proper Sawagan, uh dungeon crawls and ships and things. The, the shocker is the fact that there are even Sawagan on this ship that are under command of this pirate. Now, you might be able to play with that a little bit and say that the, you know, the Sawagan would, uh, you know, flee if things get bad, even though the pirate, you know, captain would be like, you know, hey, finish these guys off. And if one of the Sawagans is taking a lot of damage, then it might just disengage and jump off the boat. I could definitely do it like that. But yeah, I think the big shock will be the fact that there's just Sawagan on this ship that are basically hired crew uh, from uh, here. But you can even flavor it. In fact, that's something I would probably put in Sigurd's journal is like we were, um, you know, a trio of Sawagan uh, boarded the ship and said they were here on behalf of uh, Tentrix to make sure the job gets done. They make me uneasy. I don't like this situation. You know, basically him writing his classic little journal entry. Uh, so I should probably include that for further context. But I am kind of liking the idea of actually replacing uh, the Triton here now with a lizard folk. And then having the lizard folk also be able to talk a little bit more about maybe maybe the lizard folk was actually following. Ooh, that's good. The Sawagan joined them, and the lizard folk was following the Sawagan and seeing like, well, what the hell is going on here? Um, or 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 we could keep the Triton and just make it so the Triton is also following the the Sawagan and trying to figure out what's going on here with the context of the Sawagan are acting a lot stranger, a lot more organized, um, you know, more aggressive and more powerful. The other two climbing up the hull. Ooh, that's interesting. I could, yeah. I mean, I had them initially in here, but I don't actually know where Sawagan would hang out. I mean, it kind of it's silly that there'd be in hammocks <laughs> uh, inside the ship. You'd think they'd be, if anything, you'd think they'd be on the bottom of the ship, right? With the water and stuff. They'd be like their area. So that's what I'm kind of leaning towards turning this into the Sawagan layer. Uh, you know, have a bunch of like body parts and shit down there. But I think the only way they could get down there or up is from here. So that would make sense why it would take them longer and they would be the last ones to uh, get up here. And maybe that's of when round like two or three and the other bandits come up. Maybe then Captain Sigurd will be like, hey, uh, you know, grab the, grab our uh, amphibious friends. Tell them this is what they're here for. So that kind of makes sense why they would be lower down. And that gives... It gives me a chance to actually stack. Okay, so let's see what that looks like. Let's put them here. How tall is he supposed to be? Uh, Minotaurus. We're going to get rid of these rot grubs. Why are we using rot grubs again? Go away, rot grubs. So put those guys down in the bilge. I assume you can just... Maybe you can reach up and grab this and get out that way. And then what if we put some of these guys in here? You know, two of them here. Two of them down here, put the bows in here, and now you've got a proper stagger. So maybe round two, you can add these guys. Uh, we put two bandits in room seven. They can come out. Um, because the captain, you know, they hear the summons, and the captain will tell one of them, go, you know, grab reinforcements, grab our fish friends, and one of them will go, you know, you can use this disengage action, open this door and go down some stairs. Uh, and then basically call up that we need, you know, reinforcements and to grab the others. And maybe that will that will make some interesting context for the players to be like, oh shit, now we gotta go take care of these guys. We gotta steal off this, you know, entrance or whatever. 
So we could really turn this into a more dynamic fight versus, you know, everybody just moves and auto attacks. Um, I, I really like it. And you can't do this every time, but I do love it when combat has additional, you know, parameters or objectives or things going on uh, that, that or just, you know, unique environments to fight in, which obviously this is one of them. Uh, but I think that would make it a little more interesting versus everybody just rushes to the top and immediately starts attacking. You can have some folks actually go down and grab reinforcements. Charge the Central Master, bring down the Crow's Nest destruction time again. You know, it could happen, and the players may go down the route, and it says in the in the uh, text that they can destroy it via putting holes in it, they can burn the ship, they can do all these things, which would be uh, quite sad for me, because I would plan on giving them this ship if they take command of it. Um, hopefully they can do enough where the ship can limp its way over to the Salt Marsh Harbor, and the players can... You know, get some repairs that way and maybe get a little bit of downtime after this adventure. Uh, so I could see that. In fact, if they get some money, maybe they'll want to actually do some upgrades there in Salt Marsh. That's something I haven't thought of before. I always think they're going to make go straight to Gunderland, but there's no reason to do that. They're technically not under a... They're under a little bit of a time constraint, I guess, because I did say, like, we will not wait or something. But I do want to make it so, like, all right, well, you guys can definitely at least get a long rest here and... You know, if you want to wait a few days to get some upgrades to the ship and some repairs, uh, then you certainly can. And um, depending on how much money they have, I'll have to look. But I think Call from the Deep and Ghost of Saltmarsh has some uh, rules for putting in, like, some weaponry or some really cool uh, things you can do. And and hopefully I can make that part of the, uh, you know, some of the side quests and campaign as well as, you know, making quest rewards being upgrades to the ship. And then the bummer is if I do want to give them a flying ship, then it's like they just spent all this money and have all this, you know, connection and and emotional relationship to their boat and then they leave it behind for something that's a little bit sexier. That would be kind of awkward as well. But six six foot for Minotaur height, that's actually not uh, very tall. I feel like that's like person height. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel uh, mantle. That was the word I was thinking of. Mantle. Nobody nobody said that in the chat, did you? Um, mantle is what it's called when you uh, go up to like a ledge or something and you kind of pull yourself up uh, over it. Um, I guess it just, it always just depends on the situation if you need an athletics check for that. But I feel like if it's, yeah, if you're that tall, you would do, I mean, it'd be like Ninja Warrior style, right? Like you would have to run and jump and grab the ledge and pull yourself up. That's definitely an athletics check. It's an athletics check with probably not much failure because it's less than 10 feet. So you would just not go up. It's not like you would fall and take damage or anything necessarily. Although maybe if you rolled a a, a, a nat 1 or something, I would probably roll that. you fall prone at least. But yeah, that crow's nest thing's going to be a pain in the ass for them. I think it's going to be a tricky fight. I mean, they're newly long rested, but they are... Uh, hang on, what level are they, Chris? I'd like to remind the DM that we are level two. Yeah. <laughs> Only level two. Uh, briefly, we can chat about what's coming after these events. And I, there's really no universe where I see this lasting two sessions. Um, well, I guess it could happen. If this fight just gets really dragged out and I feel like there's still more fight to happen, I guess we could drag it on for technically another session. But I feel like that session would be a shorter one. Versus doing just one of them, maybe one session that's a little bit longer. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Pacing wise, I just feel like I mean we're literally right at the start of combat. No combat takes a while, but if we can have just a solid two hour combat encounter here, I think we can wrap things up. And at the worst case scenario, I think we hopefully wrap combat up, um, and then 
I tell everybody, all right, well, we'll level up next time, have level up prepared, but we'll do all the falling action next time. We'll do the, you know, the, the talking to the prisoner, the looting of the ship, the turning it in to get upgrades, all that. And then you'll actually technically long rest and level up, and then you'll make it out uh, to the overland map where I plan on having, like I said, um, the setting sail. I'm finally actually getting to call from the deep, which I think the way I'm going to break it up there's two main encounters that happen on the way to Gunderland, and I'm going to turn into basically three encounters. One will be meeting Captain Callus, who basically is just going to be kind of a fun, reoccurring villain. He's not—he's actually not part of the Black Armada. Um, he's got too much um, uh, bravado and confidence to be a part of that, which could be, a, a, interestingly, a, maybe a useful ally for the players, but of course, Gottwald still hates pirates. Um, and that would be maybe semi-combat, but semi-just kind of a social scene also. We can kind of determine how the players act and how things play out, but I'll be prepared for combat, but not necessarily designed for that. The next encounter will be them fall, uh, finding the salvage operation ship, so that'll be a big one to develop and put a big map in for that. And then they'll get more context over how the dangers from Gunderland, and then including the Elder Octopus fight and all that kind of stuff, that something major is going on there. And then I'll have one, and then they'll level up to uh, four after salvage operation. So they might not be level three for terribly long, depending on how salvage operation goes, which I'll be interesting. Um, whoever said, was it Hammer Toes? Was it you that were that was going to run salvage operation and running it right now? Um, I'll be interested to see how long that took other DMs to run salvage operation, because that's basically just how long our level... Uh, three is going to be that plus the Captain Callus uh, event, which, I mean, that could be a whole session or it could be just a little small blurb at the front. Um, and then I plan on running the Sawagan attack uh, on the final day of journey to uh, Gunderland, which, by the way, does it say it's a three-day journey? Because that's what I've got prepped for it. Let's see if it says under Neverwinter the Crash. Chatting with the crew, not good NPCs. Wish I could use these in different contexts, but they're not going to have any NPCs with them yet. Prepare for the journey ahead. I don't remember if it tells you the distance. That's the first day is setting sail, which is when they're supposed to get to level two. And then the final day. It weird, it doesn't actually tell you how many days. Make their way to Gunderland on the voyage. After Captain Callus is attacked, the party should make their way to Gunderland on the voyage the first two days. They're strong when they cover double the distance they normally would. Reducing the journey from six to four days. Okay. It did not look like it was going to take that many days. Uh, going 120 miles an hour. And I guess that's ideal condition, so you could technically slow it down. But six days feels excessive for a sailing ship to make a journey of, what it was, 350 miles or something? Yeah, weather conditions, navigator can make checks. I could think about different things player. I mean, the thing is, it would only come up during scripted events would be when it matters to which like roles characters actually take. But the Swagan attack gives the chance for um I think it's a Swagan ship. Uh, the Coracle. See a small ship on the horizon, screwed by the lashing rain, see it healing dangerously on the wind soaked waves. A huge bundle about the size of a human. The Coracle acts as a vessel for transporting captured sailors and as a distraction. While the characters look toward the vessel, two Swagan and two Swagan raiders ambush the ship. 
yeah, and then they've got this teenager who has been captured, and he's actually um, about to undergo or undergo seramorphosis, which is pretty cool. And the Korokor, two Swagon Raiders, and two Reef Sharks. So that'll be a cool event because that'll help uh, basically tease the fact that there's uh, and, and that captured guy will talk about how Swagons are like raiding the island really badly, and something scary happened, and then he will go full on uh, Mind Flare at some point, which would be pretty awesome. I think it's mentioned when they actually to mention it somewhere. I forget it's when he actually transforms. I'm just trying to talk about the character site until he's returned home to Fisker Bark. Fisker Back? That's somewhere there. I'll have to revisit uh, the events that happen in Gunderland, but uh, that will constitute all of the events leading to the island. And then once they finally, and that'll be pretty linear, it'll be you know very scripted. So we're still pretty linear in terms of the railroading of the story. You know, once they get the Sea Ghost, they then need to go to Gunderland, and then they'll do the Captain Callus event, all of Salvage Operation, and then the Swagan Attack event. Then they'll reach Gunderland, and then things finally open up a little bit and gives the players a chance to have a very limited, um, but still uh, options to explore in uh, the Gunbarg area. And there's multiple locations for the checkout. There's the uh, the crash site, the actual Nautiloid. Um, the Bronzo Mines, which they know about, and they'll learn about the location from, and then the Wreck of the Golden Crown, which is a their first uh, underwater dungeon, which would be pretty awesome as well. And I'll have to make sure I've got all my maps set up for all of that. So it's a lot of important stuff we're going to be doing in the next couple weeks and months of the crafting streams as we get all of that, all of that done. Um, probably no... Also, he's French. <laughs> probably no... Um, uh, comments from assembly although you know when the players complete the sea ghost I mean, if they go back to salt marsh or go back then probably check in with assembly at some point there which is perfectly fine otherwise i don't plan on having an appearance while they're doing the whole uh gun bark section but them returning to neverwinter will certainly be a good opportunity to reuse him or if they have context where it's like hey we need to check in with assembly to see if he's learned anything um then i would definitely use him as a source of information basically turn him into a a quest giver for uh the players because that's just you know, part of the fun of them making the story along as I am is like I had no idea I'd be using uh, that particular character again or have to reuse that voice, which means I'll also have to revisit what the hell voice I used. Thankfully, it's all on YouTube and I can just pull up a video and find out what bad accent I was attempting. All right, I think that will do it for this Thursday edition of Crafting the Deep. If you enjoy the content, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. Shout out to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Stan, Brandon, Genocider, David, Eclectic, Roleplay, Role, Christopher, Brian, Corey, Goa1337, Big Nut, John F., John L., Scott, Eric, Tyler, Nathan, Camp Crystal, Lake Counselor, Andrew C., Daryl, The Reldron, Captain Woody 79 Stephanie, Andy, P0, 1135809, and Patrick. And gold patrons, RPG, Paper Graphs, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Dead Lizard, Lion, Sam, Lumpy Spuds, Jerome, Nathan, Fastlake, Atoria, Scott, Rufus, Carolyn, William, Jerry, Thomas, and Prophet. Thank you all very much for your support. I will see you for D&D tomorrow night. Bye.